0: I can't hear you.
1: Ah, good. Right. Oh, Here Lord. I am. I'm now back I can. Now and I, can I have hear adjusted you. my volume to men's ministry volume. <laughs> Hi Nick. <laughs> How are you? Let's uh, follow Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode. Um, <laughs> what is it? 82, I think. 82, episode 82 <laughs> of oh, the Mid Faith Crisis <laughs> podcast. My name's Nick Wonderful. Page. Guess who's yes, joining me? Yes, me, Joe
1: Davis. No one's interested in me. No, they only want to hear the author nowadays.
0: That's no, not true. It's no, it is. You know,
1: Sorry, I can take it. It's good it's for me. It's humbling.
0: What are you talking about? What's brought this on?
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's the fabulous new logo.
0: Ah, oh, the fabulous new logo. Which? What? Why would that bring on your insecurity? You well, because honest?
1: your head is really big and my head is quite small. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so it's more it, naturalistic. Really, but I feel saying. it is appropriate. <laughs> 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 it's great, and thank you to everyone who's um, who said they, they they like it, and uh, it's very affirming.
0: Big shout out to Jeremy Jeremy Clay, who's a fantastic illustrator from Beltways. Well, he lives in Paris. He lives in but Paris. But he's, yeah. he's, he's Belgian uh, and he's very, very talented and we love him. So that's He great. is. Thank we
1: do love much. him. And he oh, incidentally, he did also say that if there's any listeners, I mean, I think he vastly overestimates how many people listen to this, but if there are any listeners in France, particularly in Paris, he would love to get together with others. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how about that? Me oui. Anyway, how are you, dear boy?
0: Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm bashing around. You know how it is? Uh, I do. Um. Been away at the weekend, which is nice visiting friends. Yeah. Nice. Good. Oh, you've got some And you? <laughs> yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah Yeah, like you.
1: you. Very busy and you know, finished cleaning my mum's flat and then putting it on the market. So if anyone mm. wants a flat for somebody old in Worthing, then please do get in touch with me.
0: <laughs> I don't think you need the somebody old bit in that. No, sentence. not really. Because no. if it is a flat in Worthing, then by its very nature, surely.
1: Stop it. Stop it. You're not funny. <laughs> No, you can edit all of that out because it's ridiculous. Anyway, let okay. me tell you about what I did on Sunday. Go on. On Sunday, I visited the Nepp Estate. Now, this is the place that is the subject of the book Wilding. Yes. And it's the story of a farmer who, you know, couldn't make the profit. And the land was not particularly productive. It had been overused and overstretched and... And so they just turned the whole thing back to nature. They didn't do anything with it. Mm. They didn't. They didn't touch it. No. No pesticides. No. None of that nonsense going on the land. They allowed whatever was growing to grow, and they introduced a few as best they could of uh, species that would have been there back in the day. So they introduced a pig. They couldn't get wild boar because you're not allowed to. So they got a pig variety in there. They got some Exmoor ponies in there. But they didn't introduce lots more than that. and
0: Old 20, English cattle.
1: Yeah, 20 years later, the place is just a haven for wildlife. All sorts of species of birds and plants and animals that come back to the area, they don't even know where from. It's just extraordinary. So we did this little safari and we saw white storks, which are being introduced back into Britain because they used to be here but aren't anymore. And, uh, yeah, Rachel and I are even volunteering, I hope, to... Um, to help with that project, so it's fantastic. extraordinary. If you ever get the chance to go to the Nepa State, it's just an incredible story. The book is Wilding, and it's it's fantastic to watch. It's a it. good
0: book. Yeah, yeah, I read it after oh. Rachel recommended it. Oh, yeah, just good like
1: that. So yeah, yeah. incredible. But well, that was good. Uh I is it confession time? Go on. Well, I sincerely meant to read Jonah. Oh yeah, uh, this weekend. Uh, but I'm afraid I didn't do it. But I, I am going to do that exercise. I'm just carrying okay, it. Okay, yeah. Because that was the exercise you said. Yes,
0: moment. it was. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's long time I did
0: read that because I haven't read it for years actually. No, it's jolly good fun. Is what I realised. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot yeah. funnier than you think. Actually, it's got a lot of humour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you sort of recognise the kind of the ironies that are going through it, you know, there's a load more humour in it than we think. I think.
1: Can a lay person get that? Just um, it,
0: so? Well, I think just allow yourself to look out for it, really. Look out for the bits where, you know, the, I mean, one of the obvious bits is Jonah's down in the belly of the whale without well, wanting to get too heavy into it straight away. But Jonah's in the belly yeah, of the whale yeah. and he prays this psalm. And the psalm says all these sort of pious things. And it's a rehash of another psalm somewhere else, I think. And, and what happens immediately next? The whale throws him up, <laughs> the whale <laughs> vomits him out. Okay, yeah, and okay, you could either good. say, oh, God is delivering him. Or that actually Jonah's sign was so fake, even the whale couldn't stomach it. And there's all these, (laughs) you know, there's all these bits and pieces in there. It depends how you want to read it, really. But anyway. Really? Yeah, good. Uh, Well, it's, you know, it wasn't wasn't a command. Don't beat yourself up. It's fine.
1: No, thank you. Um, Listen let's not let's not talk too much about the giving button on the website no. but let's just say that thanks to those that have given to uh the show we've got a shiny new logo yeah so no, we thank are really you grateful especially to all the existing and people give you know you people give from as little as a pound a month to yeah. a bit more so thank you okay right uh shall we yes OK, so some feedback. OK, a really nice uh, email from Brian. Brian, thanks for all the nice comments about the podcast. I won't read them because Nick will just edit them out. But anyway, he was prompted to write because I saw him uh, uh, very briefly, or he saw me, I think, at Rob Bell. Um, and he says he's been a listener from the beginning. Poor chap. Good Lord. 82 episodes. I know. How, how people I know.
0: suffer.
1: I know. Anyway, he says this. I've been a Christian, brackets, I'm no longer particularly keen on that label. <laughs> As long as I remember, although what that signifies has changed dramatically, particularly over the last few years. Exactly the stages of faith as described in your first episode. I find that there have been both positive and negative consequences. Both a more authentic and rooted relationship with God, but also the isolation that both you and many listeners have described. The feeling of, is this real? Is this it? And is it just me? feeling I must be doing or understanding this whole thing wrong. So over time I have shed the religion and gained what I hope is a faith in Jesus that gets back to his original message and intention, as opposed to cultural Christianity that has evolved over the years, particularly from early centuries patriarchy and the effect of the Enlightenment. Still learning, growing, still at the same church with loads of beautiful, loving people. Recently I've been experiencing the long, dark tea time of the soul... (laughs) really painful place to be, and he is under he's under egging it, and he does he did go and say it's really been difficult days. But he finishes with this. He says, I realise that my reaction to the knowledge of the fragility of life, ours and those we love, has been to look for control and security, neither of which I now understand are achievable. Working on leaving the bad stuff from the past and the anxiety about the future behind, and just finding joy in this particular moment, whatever is going on, yet knowing about all the bad stuff too. In the past, I've read and listened to speakers about all these things, and by intellectualising it, kept everything at a distance. Feels like it's long overdue to actually live it. That's both scary and exciting at the same time, but a lot less claustrophobic, dare I say slightly joyful. Not delighted to have experienced the last couple of months, but perhaps the insight I hope I have gained will not have been possible otherwise that's a great email yeah no i really appreciate you writing in brian and there is some key things there isn't there just about you know taking and accepting life where it is not not really fighting with it in some ways mm. but it, accepting it um with the with the joy and the sorrow all in the same yeah same yeah. place and saying no this is life and there's joy there still
0: yeah thanks so much for sending that in
1: Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, Helen said, I'm enjoying the BBB, both book, reading for the second time, and podcast. Mm. Yeah, try reading it 50 times. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, uh, to be honest, it's not telling me much I didn't know, apart from the anachronistic camels, but I do like Nick's way of putting things. I think I had a pre-faith crisis, aged 11, (laughs) followed by a faith faith crisis when I became a Christian at 13. So I kind of feel I did the mid-faith crisis a long time ago. I reckon I've been through every heresy in the book and some that aren't in the books. I'm actually fairly orthodox now, but a lot more relaxed about it. Yeah, all. yeah, yeah, which is good. I reckon God is big enough to take care of stuff and doesn't need me trying to micromanage on his behalf. You asked about what books we would add to scripture. I'd, I'd like to add God's Own by Mike Riddell. It's a fantastic read full of stories. While I'm recommending books, can I suggest two more that might be helpful to MFC listeners? Why Did Jesus, Moses and Buddha and Mohammed Cross the Road by Brian McLaren and Escaping the Maze of Spiritual Abuse by Lisa Oakley and Justin Humphreys? I think all pastors should read this. Firstly, so they can recognise it if going on in their church. And secondly, so they can recognise it if they're on the receiving end of it. Mm. It made sense of my own experience as a pastor's wife in a previous congregation. I think my faith can be summed up as love God, love your neighbour, love yourself, love your enemy, look after creation and work with the Holy Spirit to become and act more like Jesus. And a completely unrelated thought. Why do people insist that God doesn't change? If we believe Jesus was God, then the second person of the Trinity changes from being the Word to taking on not just human flesh, but human mind and soul as well, and takes us back up into the Godhead when he ascends. Therefore, God changes. Mm. Well, wow, it's being a bit provocative there, Helen, aren't
0: you? <laughs> I love that, uh, relaxed orthodox. Yes. I think that could be my new denomination. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? I'm a relaxed orthodox.
1: Relaxed orthodox. It's good. I quite like yeah. the summarising of faith. Love it's God, lovely, love your yeah. neighbour, love yourself, love your enemy, look after creation, work with the Holy Spirit to become more uh, like
0: Jesus. Well, that's yeah. pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's great, isn't
1: it? I mean, if, you know, you don't do anything else, just do that. Gosh. <laughs>
0: We got we got good listeners, haven't we? We've got listeners who know things and understand things. <laughs>
1: yeah, they do. They do. But they've had great experiences and I love these yeah. emails that just are born out of our listeners' experiences. Uh Peter, he says this. Hi, Joe. Great stuff. Thanks for the continued work in producing a weekly podcast. Much appreciated books on the Bible, he says. It kind of goes without saying that Rob Bell's What is the Bible and Richard Rohr's Things Hidden have to make the list. Well, my list anyway. He says Richard Rohr expresses a view on the Bible, which I think fits with what Nick was saying about theology having to evolve or to use the words of one of your listeners needing to be a conversation. Raw reckons that the Bible charts humankind's growing understanding of God from the dualism of the early Old Testament, i.e. good guys and bad guys, through the crisis of the prophets, a mid-faith one I wonder, to an expansive vision of society in the New Testament. Not just this, but it's very importantly it mirrors, or should mirror at least, our own individual journey of psychological development. If this is the case, then the work of the church is to help people to grow and evolve, where this means inner development and transformation, not simply more, and more Bible knowledge.
0: Yeah.
1: Amen to that, Peter.
0: Yeah, very good. It is
1: an interesting thing, isn't it? That the Another way of sort of reading the Bible is, you know, both the sort of, you know, in terms of a society growing and developing, but also of our own individual journeys you know our own exodus and Exile. oh
0: indeed yeah yeah you can see yourself patterned in it a lot i think yeah
1: there's depths man there's layers there's <laughs> like layers. an onion anyway moving on okay and then this this one came in from bob and says this he says hi i have to admit i'm a little behind in my reading just finished chapter two bob honestly Uh, But I'm enjoying Nick's book and feel that things are a bit clearer. I was sitting in church on Sunday, listening to the minister explain a passage from the Bible and what God was saying to us through it. And it crossed my mind that God was really bad at communication. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, so, gets, so if we are meant to be doing all these things why isn't it spelled out for us yeah. if as i'm told i need to prepare for judgment of every wrong word thought and deed why did god not just tell me what i can't do and how not to do it and point it out to everyone else so we're all singing from the same <laughs> hymn sheet and we all know what we're being judged for why is it so yeah. ambiguous that my church employs someone to understand it and <laughs> explain it to me Yeah, I know. Excellent. This is very good. Okay, (laughs) Bob goes on. That same morning, we heard stories from some members of the church about stuff going on in their lives and how they experienced God. And I found those far easier to remember and learn from than the Mm -hmm. sermon. Reading Nick's book has made me realise it's about people and God maybe doesn't want me to learn things prescriptively that I have to do, but she wants me to talk to other human beings and hear their stories and their ideas about life, the universe and everything. Maybe the Bible isn't a rule book for life, but an invitation to join the storytelling. I learn from so many people, those who are Christian and those who are not, and I'm inspired to explore God from a different perspective every time.
0: Excellent. Gosh, what a set of brilliant emails. I know,
1: they really are. Thank you. Yeah,
0: Yeah, We should just end the podcast there. (laughs) Let's just finish on a high, shall we?
1: (laughs) Before the quality slips. Actually had some content, thank you all. So um, it's time for chapter 7, The Joy of Doubt. And the author of the Badly Behaved Bible starts (laughs) this chapter by saying this. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, the disciples are directed to go to Galilee... And there they meet the risen Jesus. Here's what Matthew writes. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The interesting thing about the second of these verses is that the word some is not in the Greek. The Greek literally says they worshipped him, but they doubted. Every Bible translation I know tries to explain this away by adding words, mainly because the idea of having the 11 core disciples doubt Jesus seems too absurd. It's more acceptable to say that some of them doubted, or even to imply that those who doubted were not among the core group. But this is not what the text says. The text says that they both worshipped Jesus and had, well, at the very least, a lot of questions. And we know from other stories that some of the core disciples did have doubts. I'm looking at you, Thomas. (laughs) Despite this, it often seems that doubt is frowned upon in the church, especially when it comes to the Bible. The Bible, after all, is sacred. So put away your doubts and questions and sail into the serene harbour of certainty. Then we all know exactly where we are. But the problem with knowing exactly where you are is that you never get to go anywhere new. I like that. Mm. I like that a lot So then in the first section You went on to talk about the story of Abraham And make the point at mm. the end That mm. God is not insecure So um, yeah. as a way in what, what, what are you getting at With the idea that God is not insecure
0: Well very early on in the Bible We have this story of Abraham um, yeah. Talking to God The angels of the Lord Three, three sort of angels mm. turn up And um, uh, he's going to go and destroy Sodom And then Abraham has this bartering thing With God where he goes, what if there are 50 people there? Will you destroy anything? And God says, well, no, I won't do it for 50 But And then he goes, go, you know, we know the story. It goes down and go down and down yep. and down. And yep. Abraham yep. is trying to work out what the parameters are here. He's trying to work out whether yeah. God is just. Yeah, yeah. And at no point does God go, how dare you question me? I will now smite no. you. Interesting. He talks to him. So yeah. I just don't think God is insecure about being questioned. And I think if he was, then it comes back to Bob's email. Then, you know, why did he give us so much ambiguity and so much? (laughs) Yes. um, Although Bob did say she. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, he she, why did they give us so much (laughs) ambiguity?
1: Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: So it was kind of a way of setting that right from the start. And, you know, you can't just explain it away by saying, oh, well, Abraham's allowed to do that. I don't think yeah. that's what the Bible story implies at all. The Bible story implies that we have a God who waits behind to explain things.
1: I just really like this idea. And and the other thing that that phrase meant to me is that we don't have to spend our time defending God's honour. No. I mean, God's God's quite capable of doing that on our own. She doesn't need our help particularly. So, you know, I, I often think this when the when Christians were getting really precious about something blasphemy or you know uh, back in the day working on the sabbath or anything Mm. like that i I just think you know rather than making a big noise of that why not just live in a better way it's back to that quote which i often say the best criticism of the bad is the practice of Mm. the better show Mm. by your life how much better it is to live with god you know under those ways anyway i appreciated that line and I, i like being reminded that god is not insecure So uh, you, you then go on to a section headed how the Israelites invented religious doubt. And I really like this because you seem to be saying that scripture is in fact a book of questions and wrestling with those big questions. And in fact, I've got a quote here from page 175. The Bible does not banish doubt to the outer reaches. Instead, the Bible confronts these kind of questions and it wrestles with
0: them. Absolutely. We've talked about this, I'm sure. But so let's just briefly recapitulate a couple of arguments. One is that uh, monotheism, by its very nature, invents religious doubt, because before then you can blame any other action. On uh, an alternative god, a rogue god, a rogue god, or a god who doesn't like you, or whatever. Yeah. Then you, then you actually have to ask questions about why the one god, the only god, is doing these things. And initially, you can explain that away by saying, "Well, we must have, we must have sinned in some way. We must yeah. be bad in some way." But increasingly, yeah. the Bible actually says, "No, that doesn't work," because actually, quite good people seem to have yes. bad things happen to them.
1: And it's right there in the Bible. It's Absolutely. right there. It's not ignoring yeah. that. Massive great elephant in the room. No, 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 it, that's right. It's taking
0: it head on. And, jo- and um, Job, mm. the big book, is a direct critique of the theology of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy says if you, if you uh, behave with all, you know, follow the law, you'll, you'll be blessed. Yeah. Job says, well, that's a load of camel manure. That don't work. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so we've mentioned this as well. The Bible critiques itself. But here's an interesting thing somebody yeah. said to me the other day. All religion begins with scepticism. Because it begins with the thought that actually the visible world is not all there is. Mm. There must be more than this. Mm. So you actually, it begins with skepticism about what your eyes and your sense and your ears and your other, other bits are telling you about the world. Yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting idea. Yeah, I haven't had no, time it's... to sort of process it much, but we want to take skepticism and doubt out of faith, whereas I think it takes you deeper. Uh, and and questions are throughout the bible and that is how people discover things about god they ask him questions
1: yeah brilliant i I, i'm just thinking that's that's true of i think our own mystic experiences of god you know some sometimes you know we just have that sense of god Mm. saying something to us or maybe something that we would describe as miraculous happens and then then with the passing of time you tend to go through doubting all those things and questioning them and mm. doing, it's just all part of the process isn't it
0: yeah of absolutely integrating
1: something that can't doesn't make rational sense always or doesn't is beyond our senses is that the phrase you used yeah um and and you're trying to make sense of it and a very natural way to make sense of it is to question it and doubt it and you know rigorously examine it
0: i, I just can't see where the bible says these things are wrong you know i think Um, you can sort of have a view of God that is unhelpful and wrong and and will lead you in the wrong direction but if you view God as a a being who who loves you then asking questions I can't see I can't see as wrong and the whole point of this show the whole point of this podcast the whole point of 82 episodes or however many we've done is to say that uh, doubt and questioning and everything falling apart is the doorway to a richer faith it's not it's not the way out it's the doorway to deeper experience of god
1: okay so let's let's just spend a bit more time on this uh page 179 people who peddle the idea that god will be annoyed by questions or angry if we doubt his infallible word (laughs) are usually hiding something maybe it's their own insecurities maybe it's the flaws in their theology do you know what that rings true (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's one of those statements you make, and everybody goes, well, yeah. you've made a sweeping generalisation there." And yeah. I say, "Well, it's my book. You go away and write your own one if you want to. Do that. <laughs> I don't care." But Good. helpful. Uh, in what? How do you experience it then? You were saying in your way, in your experience, is true.
1: Well, it, I just, I just think um, the people who shout the loudest. I mean, I, yeah. what was that? What was that film I saw recently? Uh, oh gosh, Boy Raised that very moving film, this this young gay guy mm-hmm. goes to be reorientated. He goes to this Christian school and the, it's like a boot camp mm-hmm. for homosexuals to go and then they will learn to be straight and the leader is this hardcore guy who's so anti-God, so angry with homosexuality and he hates mm-hmm. it and he despises mm-hmm. it. And, of course, the end of this true story, by the way, is that the leader goes off and lives with his boyfriend somewhere. <laughs> and, he, yes. you know... And I, all, I often find on that particular issue, but also other issues, those that are shouting the loudest do seem to have something yeah. to hide on the face of it.
0: Well, I think it can often be the way. I think, it's, I think it's just that when you're secure in a relationship, then you can talk about all kinds of things, as I said. But yeah. I, I, one of my, my favourite film probably is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh. I love that film. And, mm. and there's a line in it where uh, Gary Oldman, who plays Smiley in it, talks about his his oh. enemy Carla, the yeah. the Russian, the head of the Russian secret service. He's sort of been battling Carla for years, and uh, he he talks about one one incident that that revealed something about Carla. The Carla chose to go back to die in Russia rather than come with him because at one point it looked like Carla mm. was going to. Be killed under Stalin, you know, purging. Mm. And he said he was so fanatic that he chose to go back to die. And he said, That's when I knew he could be beaten because he's a fanatic. And the Mm. fanatic is always concealing a secret doubt. Isn't that interesting? John Le Carrier wrote the Smiley Books, describes George Smiley as a faithful doubter. That's where I I suppose I feel a lot of us are is that we're faithful doubters. You know, there's lots of areas that we've got loads of questions about, but there's also areas where we're trying to be faithful
1: but it's i don't know that any of uh, ministers have ever done this deliberately but we we are sort of made to feel at churches like we're somehow unfaithful or weak mm. or lacking faith if we if we doubt and if mm. we have questions mm. or or if we are vocal with those questions we're seen as troublemakers or yes. awkward people
0: yes. um that's a why, shame isn't it why maybe? do you think that is i don't
1: i i suppose that I mean, just having been on the other side of the fence and tried running a church, you know, you generally have a very busy, you know, yeah. job to do yeah. and you've got a flock of people uh, to care for. And, uh, and y- you know, spending time answering people's questions and dealing with doubts doesn't seem to fit with the job description yeah. 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 and everything else. And and that's, you know, we've said this many times, that's, that's the whole building a church versus yes. discipling uh, people. And I think that we are called to disciple people and Jesus looks after the building of the church thing. Um, but we'd always rather reverse that.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting because there's a sort of pragmatic thing there then, isn't there? There is just a thing, I sort of don't have the time for this kind of thing. Yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah. I think there's the other thing, which is that one of the church's uh, key roles is to get people in, I suppose, You know, to, make, to yeah. introduce people to Jesus, to bring them into the yeah. and, and Yeah. And people coming in tend to want certainty yeah i'm generalizing again so the church has kind of offered certainty so if there's a load of other people who've been in it a while at the back going yeah but what about this what about that that can be seen as as almost like counter countering the church's evangelism i've had that experience where you know people have said not to me but to people i know about you know you're not going to come to this group are you because you're you're, you know you're going to ask difficult questions
1: You know, I think people in the earliest stages of faith, they do like law. And this does mean the stages of faith. They do like law. Just tell me how it is. Oh, okay, do this and I'll have a blessed life. So you don't naturally start with your, you know, your kind of alpha or your post alpha group attendees. You don't really go to Job, do you? But actually, a few years down the line, they're going to need Job
0: yes and and maybe that's the challenge isn't there what does the journey of a christian look like within a church where we can introduce people to the right parts of scripture at the right time as it were you know yeah. i don't mean the right parts in kind of you've got to do them in that order but there yeah. are parts that really speak to us at certain moments of our lives and where it's yeah. a relief to find them in the bible yeah it's quite amazing Absolutely. to find them yeah in the bible. it's great yeah yeah um but they don't often get preached on because they are, by necessity, yeah. the ones that cause yeah. a lot of questions. So you have to find a different way of talking about them. I, I think there's a number of things. I think there is this other thing that somehow, if one part of the Bible is not literally true,
1: yeah. let's
0: say, it's assumed that the whole thing has to be pulled down, which is just nonsense. Yeah, it is. It's just utter rubbish. I mean, <laughs> And it presupposes the Bible is all one construction, one big thing. Yeah. One same type of something. So I've never understood that.
1: Maybe that's a problem with, you know, the Bible sounding like a singularity. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not a plural word, whereas actually we are talking about a library.
0: Yeah, and, um, and one of the arguments so, is often say, let's say Jonah. Um, yeah. People will say, well, no, Jonah must be true because Jesus talks about it. And he says, you know, I'll give you the, don't ask for anything. I'll give you the sign of Jonah, he says at yeah. some point. I don't see that follows at all we don't know what jesus thought of jonah i have no idea what we say. he doesn't say he doesn't say and if you ask if this generation ask for a sign i will give you the sign of jonah which is definitely actually historically accurate by the way <laughs> yeah that's right yeah he doesn't say that at all mm. so we don't know what um how in fact we can see how people like paul and jesus read the bible and they did it in a very different way to us anyway but we don't you know I I just don't think that so I think that idea is that somehow if you tug at one bit like the whole jumper will unravel if you tug at one thread yeah exactly but I think that says more about the people people who are in charge yeah, exactly. it's, it's yeah and, and I love what else. you
1: what you wrote on page 180 to question the text to reinterpret it even to challenge it is a thoroughly biblical way of reading the bible yeah. and is a way of reading that has deep historical roots yeah um, and, and I think you know if if we understood that I think people would be a bit more inclined to read the bible whereas yeah. I think at the moment most people don't read the bible sweeping generalisation most christians don't read the bible because they just read it and go oh i don't get it it's just, yes no, yes enough. and
0: they're faced with this false um choice aren't they either it's either you've got to believe it totally or you've got to yeah. reject it totally there's no in between
1: so if you're one of those people out there that needs permission to question and doubt and everything we're giving you permission
0: yes yes okay who, and then who you've... are we to give anyone permission <laughs> exactly
1: nobody self-appointed <laughs> permission givers anyway <laughs> you finish with a word on worship songs oh, which i always like what do you do you want to say anything about worship well, songs?
0: well only that um I, just pick up that point i made about isn't it great that these books are mm. in the bible isn't yeah. it great that the doubting books are there yeah ecclesiastes and job and then yeah. there's some of the psalms and habakkuk and people and places yeah. like that um what, what i kind of realized during the book was that the, if we think the psalms were part of the liturgical. Yeah. Kind of resource of ancient Israel, then that means that lament and questioning and doubt is right at the heart of their worship. It's not hidden away; mm. it's in their hymn book, yeah, as it were. To to use a dreadful anachronism in the way that I criticise elsewhere, but anyway, I'm yeah. going to use it, you know. Um, <laughs> but it is, and and I just I I threw this thing out. In fact, I talked about it when I was at New yeah. Wine a couple of weeks ago, yeah. which is a big sort of Christian yeah. festival. I so, said, you know, what would you do if the worship leader? got on stage and said right I'm going to sing a song tonight about how I can't see where God is so that he doesn't appear to be there and mm. you know I wonder if he's actually real yeah let's join in yeah and you know <laughs> just be it, great it, it, I wonder it would be a terrible career move <laughs> but it, it how many people would it speak to oh it'd be fantastic wouldn't it wouldn't it be great anyway that's all yeah
1: let's move on to chapter eight so we're taking on a bit of a big one here uh, because chapter eight is headed the authority of scripture now may i thank you you may thank you okay sooner or later when you get into a discussion about the complexities of the bible someone will say with the air of one who is about to deliver the knockout blow I don't know why we have to have all these debates. (laughs) Stop making everything so complicated. All you have to do is read the Bible and obey it. They then sit down with the air of someone who has simultaneously cured the common cold, solved Fermat's last theorem and settled the argument over whether the chicken or the egg came first. Now I have some sympathy with this view. It's quite likely that the history of the world would have been different had people simply read some of Jesus' words and then obeyed them. Words like, oh, I don't know, love your enemies, for example. And part of the argument of this book is exactly that. We should just read it, read it as the text it is, and then let those words work on us and listen to God. The problem is that most of the Bible doesn't tell us what to do. Most of the Bible is a story. How do you obey something that effectively begins once upon a time, or which contains poetry, like this bit? I am black and beautiful, O daughters of Jerusalem like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. How am I supposed to obey that? I mean, I suppose I could get an afro, but that's not going to be easy. How do I obey the authority of the bits where people pour out their complaints to God or the history or the long genealogies and lists of tribes? That's not what Christian means when they talk of obeying the Bible. What they really mean is the rules. Yeah. That's a great way into it. And man, do I relate to that. I mean, yes, if you are the kind of person, I don't know why we have to have all these debates. Yes, yes. Just read the Bible and obey it. Then you, my friend, are a Baptist deacon in the making. <laughs> I'm telling you now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not that you want to tar everybody with the same brush, no, obviously. Sure my apologies of... to the lovely Baptist deacons. Yes, out there. I'm sure there's some good ones out there. Many, <laughs> there are many. Many good ones. Um, yeah, well, it's actually, do you know what the email we had earlier Yeah, it really sums up the whole chapter? You, you can't do that. For good or bad, God has not given us a set of bullet points. Well, for and, good. <laughs> and an illustrated manual. Yeah. Um, and so the, we've got to kind of talk about it. We, we've got to debate it um, and, and, and work it out. And every generation has done this. Can I just say, this is the other thing. Yeah. In Jesus' day, there were yeah. massive debates about what the law meant how they were to obey it and how they were to interpret it so there yeah. never has been a time when anyone has ever just been able to read it and do it
1: no and i often think when people say jesus you know is not you know abolishing the law he's come to fulfill it not a letter of the law will go away you just think to those people well you don't keep the law <laughs> yeah, you're not exactly. stoning people yes you're not forcing your wife out into the shed when she's on a period you're not yeah. so yeah i know well maybe well, that... they are to be fair but i don't think okay so one of the things that i in uh you did a big section in here uh, called the case of the contradictory prophets and mm. uh you know, you've just gone through some verses that, you know, do seem to be contradicting each other. And I just thought at the time this is this is a really helpful resource to have. You know, keep this book, people, by your <laughs> side. For when someone says to you there's no there's no real contradictions oh, yeah. in the Bible, you you very handily and very helpfully, if I may say so, uh listed them some of them out for us anyway yes. with the Because yes. they yes. were saying, you know, They're saying like two
0: different things. I mean the yeah. one bit says, um if I recall that bit right, it's one bit saying uh, you know, I will punish your sons and daughters down to the third generation for your sin. And the other prophets are going, you won't punish sons and daughters, it'll just be you. So which is it? Yeah, that's a direct contradiction. Proverbs contains things which contradict themselves within two verses, it's wonderful. Yes. So anyway, you know, <laughs> I think that's the point, that it's not about telling you everything that you're to do, it's about getting you to think about it, really. Yeah. And it's it's interesting
1: to me that, you know, you you mentioned the tithing. In oh, yeah. We could have yeah. picked up so many things, I guess. But, you, you know, the tithing is an interesting one because how I understood tithing from my uh, from lecture at Spurgeon's was that tithing had basically fallen out of fashion uh, by the time of the church. And that actually Christians were, doing, were giving far more than a tithe. Right. And it was only when Emperor Constantine decided that his entire empire should become Christian he said, well, how, how, how are we going to get anyone to give like the Christians do? Because these guys are crazy generous. That's just not going to work. So then it was, ah, hang on, let's delve into the old Testament. I'm sure we heard something about giving a tenth of every, Oh really? Hey, okay. let's bring that back in. And so tithing became quite the command.
0: Suddenly. That's it, that's it. I've not heard that, but, I, I, but it, I, I, it's interesting. I, put, I don't recall ever reading anything about tithing in the early church, the church fathers before. Because they
1: gave then. much more. So, so it really it does peeve me a little bit that you've got people going around preaching tithing. So you've got a single mum on benefit,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and she's meant to give a tenth of her income yeah. to the church, and then you've got the guys with their BMWs and their foreign holidays and everything, and. <laughs> And they've only got to give a tenth, (laughs) as well. So you think, well, hang on, God is really mean.
0: (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) if that's how it is, (laughs) I, I think, uh, I have no, I have no problem with people suggesting ten percent as a, Mm. as a good thing. I've no problem with that. As a way in, it's up to you. Yeah, it's (laughs) an easy. It makes the maths easy, doesn't it? And I don't, I don't mind that at all. There've been times in my life when I've, um, you know, I kind of used that as a rule of thumb, but i think uh don't claim that it's you know biblically mandated because it's part of a thing that we don't we no longer do
1: so yeah, that you can't exactly.
0: possibly claim that um no it's you can't just, just i think
1: separate it, tithing out I, of the whole culture and yeah, what was going on i and think it's an
0: example else. of how we all use the law uh, and and yeah. we say well the law is no longer in force except for the bits i agree with yeah exactly. and then they are they are yeah um and and I, I did point out that, that both sides, as it were, both sides, I shouldn't use that kind of language, but yeah. lots of different people do it. So even something like the Jubilee campaign, which is a great campaign, mm-hmm. you know, the debt relief yeah. campaign? Yes. It was fantastic. But actually, it there's no f- more justification for saying that's still in force than anything else. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can argue Jesus sort of said, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, he refer- referred yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think that's a very marginal yeah. reading. I think... He- all I'm saying is, that look at the principle. What's the principle? The principle is generosity here in terms Absolutely. of time. Absolutely. And it's
1: hard to make a, a, a law for generosity. that doesn't become a
0: massive burden. And I do think this is what Jesus meant.
1: Yeah, and I love this. Can I just quote this yeah. line, page 109? What Jesus detested was the weaponizing of the law. Yeah. I love that sentence. Tell us what you mean by weaponizing the law.
0: Uh, I think the one thing that seems to come over in jesus's life time and time again is the way that religion and particularly in this case the, the law was used to crush people and yeah. to mm. destroy them and to defeat them exactly um, right. and it's that i i yeah. i don't mind we've got to study the law it's in the bible we've got to have a look at it and i do yeah. ask that question so beloved of edwin Starr i believed law huh what is it good for absolutely nothing Sing it again. (laughs) So, you know, uh, we've got to look at it. (laughs) We could have done it so much better, I feel.
1: We could have done. But thank you, St Edwin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's there, really.
1: Yes, well, that was brilliant. And then, then, as if to underline it, you go on to the section uh, called When the Church Changes Its Mind. Mm. The church pronounces pronounces which laws are still in force and the church actually changes its mind yes. quite frequently yes. yeah. on many of those things. Yeah. So let's just get clear. When we're talking about God's law, it's the church that decides which laws are yeah. current and what should be adhered to. And then the church quite often changes its mind. Yeah, it does. I mean, so so
0: the, the classic one is um, usury, the charging of interest on loans, which for, hmm. for centuries and centuries, really up until late Middle Ages, no Christian did it. Uh, except they found other ways to do it, but they didn't do it. They're not supposed to do it. And then all of a sudden the banking sector rises up and now nobody, there is nobody really in the Christian world who thinks that charging interest mm. on on loans is wrong. Yeah, it was it was accepted. Um, and I'm saying this not in a sense of a bad thing. I'm saying that's what you need the church for. And by yeah. church I mean something yeah. wider than any particular church. You need the yeah. church to help you interpret this stuff Yeah. and to say, look, we thought about it, this is how we should live. Yeah. But it doesn't stop you asking questions, you know. No, that's great. And, yeah.
1: and, you know, I know sometimes when you hear, well, when I hear that phrase, someone up the front saying something about the authority of Scripture, you know, I very often a little groan goes up inside because <laughs> I just think, here we go. Um, but what I like is you say this towards the end of the chapter. So in talking about the authority of Scripture, you, you're really pointing out that the Bible never talks about that phrase. The no, Bible doesn't really. talk about the authority of Scripture. The church talks about it. But what the Bible does talk about is the authority of Christ. Mm. There's absolutely no getting Mm. So I I, I thought a good way to finish is to say, well, why is that important? Not so So, much the authority of Scripture, but the authority of Christ.
0: So the way I found helpful to think about the authority of Scripture is not something that um, tells me, wags its finger at me to do things like it's in authority, but something which authorises me to do something. And yeah. it's just, I think this is that's an idea nice. I got from Tom Wright as indeed most of my ideas are you know, but I think it's that thing of uh, the question we should ask ourselves is the same question that was constantly asked of Jesus by whose authority do you do these things by whose authority do I live my life in a certain way and I would say it's by Jesus' authority on my good days Yeah, it's Jesus who authorises me to live in a certain way and that's my defence against times when society or other people or whatever tell me to live in, in their way Tell me to follow yeah. their rules, and I say no. Actually, I'm authorized to act in a different way.
1: Yeah, there's a higher authority.
0: Yeah, and it's based around the person, and the presence, and the example, and the teaching of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's where I that's where I come in. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I guess that's what I meant. Really. And there's, I think, as a chapter, there was a lot more that should have been I, said I gonna, and could have been well, said, but you know, yeah, absolutely. I, I did my best.
1: No, it's fantastic. I, honestly, I think it's so helpful, and that's why it's helpful to mention other books. People want to spin off, yeah, sure. of this book, and then and then go to because basically each one of your chapters could. There's probably a couple of books. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- that's the some the good stuff there. We
0: might. I will try and put the book list together as soon as yeah, I can. Yeah.
1: And you know, I did like that you um, you quoted um, John Ortberg, who was being mentored by this great philosopher, Dallas Willard, mm. and um, he was saying, you know just tell me how to live, tell me what to do, tell me. And, he's, and, and Dallas just said two things. He said, one, just ruthlessly eliminate hurry mm. from your life because he, mm. he saw that as the absolute death of the spiritual life. And he, two, read the Gospels. Mm. Read the yeah. Gospels, study them, read them, yeah. read them, read them.
0: Yeah. So if you spent the rest of your life reading the Gospels and yeah. saying, I'm, those Gospels authorise me to live in a certain way, then I think I would be obeying yeah. the authority of Scripture.
1: Uh, we we need to wrap this thing we up do. because it's awesome. It's but thank you for thank you for speaking about that. Sorry, these chapters, these have been a bit longer these uh, recent episodes. But that's because we're talking about a lot of stuff. We did say when we went weekly, we would try and get them down to twenty minutes at one point. But hmm. no, no, no sign ne- of that never happening. Gonna happen. Never going never happen. to happen. Anyway, next week we're going to get violent. Yes, let's talk about the violence of the Bible, oh, the okay. genocide, and how God loves a good old <laughs> riot. Come <laughs> So chapters 9 and 10 next week. Uh, And uh, thank you, dear listeners, for... uh, Are you still there? Are you still there after 82 episodes? Mm. If you are, drop us a line. Let us know. Mm. Lovely to hear from you. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back next week. See you soon.